Amen. Our lectionary today is focusing on the work of the Holy Spirit, of course, and our Old Testament reading this morning is from the uh, 11th uh, chapter of uh, Numbers, um, the uh, 24th through the 30th verse, and then the New Testament account of the uh, coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Hear the word of the Lord. So Moses went out and told the people what the Lord had said. He brought together 70 of their elders and had them stand around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke with him and took the spirit that was on him and put the spirit on the 70 elders. When the spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but they did not do so again. However, two men whose names were Eldad and Medad had remained in the camp. They had They were listed among the elders, but did not go out to the tent. Yet, the Spirit also rested on them, and they prophesied in the camp. A young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, son of Nun, who had been at Moses' aid since his youth, spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. Moses replied, Are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Then Moses and the elders of Israel returned to the camp. And then our New Testament reading, Acts, the second chapter, the verse 20, first 21 verses. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked themselves, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, They have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the, with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk with wine, as you suppose. It is only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone 
who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God indeed. Well, as many of you know, um, uh, Kenny was exposed to the coronavirus um, recently and was in self-quarantine for the past couple of weeks. Uh, he was actually scheduled to preach today, and uh, but since we weren't sure of a good outcome, though, of course, the, uh, we thank the Lord that that was the outcome, we nevertheless decided to switch our preaching schedules. I was actually thinking about this uh, recently, just this past week, and I was thinking that uh, how that in these final weeks of my um, uh, days here as pastor at Grace, I got to preach on Easter, on Pentecost, and today on, or on, on, on uh, Ascension Sunday, and today on Pentecost. Uh, so that's a great thing. Pentecost Sunday is the Sunday that we celebrate the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the church. Jesus had promised the coming of the Spirit, and he told the disciples earlier in the account of Acts to wait in Jerusalem until that day. And we read that in verse 4 of chapter 1. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my, that my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And uh, not only did he uh, tell them to wait and uh, for them to come, but he also told them what the purpose of that outpouring of the Spirit would be. We see that in verse 8 where, where he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so it is that we come here to the second chapter of Acts, our account today, and we, found, we find the account of the coming of the Holy Spirit. There's a great and mighty wind uh, probably a, a hurricane or tornado. Those of you, I've never been by one, but uh, that's, uh, that's it was a whirlwind of sound. There are tongues of fire that come and rest on each of the people that are there, the men and women. And then they begin speaking in tongues, the text says. And that is to say, they were speaking in other languages because we know that the others that were there heard them. He was speaking, they were speaking in the languages of every nation under heaven. Now, This account of the disciples speaking in many different languages through the power of the Holy Spirit is remarkable for many reasons. But the most significant reason in the overarching plan of God for his people is that Pentecost points to the great goal for his people, which is to unite people from every race in the worship of God. If we go to the end of the Bible, to the seventh chapter of the book of Revelation, there we see uh, we see a, the vision of that goal. Uh, and we read there in verses 9 through 12, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and they worshipped God. 
Uh, we see this in our text here in Acts, right? In verses 5 uh, through 11, as this, this list, and if you had a map, you could see uh, all of the area around a Jerusalem. It says, now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard the sound, of the, cr- the crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in its own language. Um, um, utterly amazed, they asked, uh, uh, they asked, what, all, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of them, each of us hears them speaking in our own native language? And, and then here's a list, Parthians and Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and, Pam, and Pamphylia, Egypt and the other parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in, in, their, in their own language. Now, when it says in our text here, that there were people there from every nation, ethnos is the word, ethne, every nation under heaven. This is not a literal description, of course. Uh, I doubt that there, I don't think there were any, uh, anybody, any Chinese there. I don't think there were any original Aborigines from Australia. So it isn't a literal description. Rather, what we have here is a theological description. The Holy Spirit unites all the ethne, all the nations, all the nations under the earth, under the, under the heavens, in the worship of God. You see, Pentecost is the launching of the worldwide reign of King Jesus, which we celebrated last week on Ascension Sunday. You'll remember that amazing passage there in Daniel uh, 7, 13 through 14, describing the ascension of our, of our Lord. In the vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man. Which, of course, is a reference to Jesus. Coming with the clouds of heaven, he approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Jesus ascends on the clouds of heaven. He goes into the presence of God, the Ancient of Days. Uh, He uh, receives the scepter. He receives the kingdom. He's given authority, glory, sovereign power, and the text says all peoples, nations, Men of every language worship him. See, Revelation 7, which we read, uh, puts it as a multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, language, standing before the throne in worship. There in Daniel, they're in worship. In Acts 2, puts it, it's a declaration of the wonders of God in the languages of people from every nation under heaven. And so... The book of Acts records for us that Jesus ascended into heaven, that he sat on his throne, and then he poured out the Holy Spirit as he began his worldwide reign. Now, this is exactly what Peter declares to the people that are gathered there from every nation under heaven. They're gathered there in Jerusalem on that day of Pentecost. Peter stands and he begins speaking to the crowd, some of whom think the disciples are drunk, probably because they think they're just babbling. They can't understand what, uh, what they are saying. And, and he says to them, oh, these people aren't drunk, right? We saw that in verse, uh, verse 15. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Uh, and then he says, the last days have arrived. 
verse 16 through 17, he says, These men are, are not drunk as you suppose, it's only nine. Know this, what they are witnessing, this event that they're all amazed about. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel in the last days. God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Uh, Maybe you thought that the last days were were still to come, but Peter says, no, uh, they they began with the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And not only that, uh, Peter tells us that there's a cosmic event, not a literal description, but this is phenomenological language uh, in the scriptures when there's a tremendous and mighty event that has happened. And we read that in verses 19 through 20. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth believe in blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And that glorious day of the Lord has come. Jesus has overcome the powers, all powers in heaven and on earth. And the glorious day of ascension and of his reign has come into being and he has received his kingdom. And the first royal act of King Jesus is the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. Listen to Peter. It's a long sermon. This is just the beginning and it goes on. And we pick up in verse 32 of chapter 2 uh, where, where Peter says he, says, he says, God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted. See, ascended, right? Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Um, we've seen then that the great goal of Christ's kingdom is to unite people from every nation, tribe, people, and language in the worship of God. And it is this astonishing message that Peter declares on Pentecost to those gathered there in Jerusalem from every nation under the heavens. Now, this account here in Acts of people speaking many languages and the reference to people from every nation, every nation under heaven can't but bring to mind the account in Genesis where God's confusing of the languages of man results in the scattering and the forming of the tribes and nations of the world. In Genesis 10, we're not going to look at it closely, but if we were to go back to Genesis 10, we would find there what is, and if you have an NIV Bible something, it'll have a little heading there that says the table of the nations. It's a list of nations. And in that table of nations, we are given genealogical and geographical information regarding the clans and the nations that formed after the flood in the days of Noah. So uh, you have the flood of Noah, you got chapter 10, you got the table of the nations that that describes the spreading of all of the descendants of Noah, (coughs) all the different places, you know, that they went their clans. And And then in Genesis 11... The very next chapter, what we have is a literary flashback which explains how the spread of the nations with their varied languages came into be, came to be. And of course, we're speaking here about the account of the Tower of Babel. Now, at Babel, 
All people were united, but they were united in rebellion against God. God had given a command. We see that in chapter 9, verse 1 of Genesis, right after the flood. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. It's another command, just like what we see in Genesis. And so the command here is, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Right? That's the command. In chapter 10, right, immediately after that, we, tell, we are told that it, that happened. That they spread out and they fill the earth. But when you come to chapter 11, uh, uh, chapter 11, we are told how it is that that came about. You see, man rebelled and refused to do what God said to spread out. We see that in Genesis 11, uh, chapter, uh, uh, chapter 11, verse 4. It says, <clears throat> they said to one, so they, had, they were all together, right? It says, uh, uh, well, chapter, verse 1 says, the whole world had one language in a common speech. They're all <clears throat> so they're all gathered together. It says, they said, come, let's build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens, incidentally, it isn't so that you can get to heaven. Right? They didn't build a big tower trying to make it big enough to get to heaven. Is I remember some Bible stories. I was a kid. I remember reading that, but that's not because it tells us why. <clears throat> it says, with a tower that reaches to the heavens, so that we may make a name for ourselves, and listen, and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. God says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, they say, well, we're not going to do that. We're going to build this city. We're going to make a name for ourselves, and we're not going to be scattered uh, throughout uh, the earth. But of course, God disperses man by confusing their languages, thus destroying man's united nations, right? We see that in the verses that follow 5 through, five, five through 9. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building, the Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, nothing they plan will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they will not understand each other. And so the Lord <clears throat> scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. But God does promise a United Nations, but it will be under the gracious rule of one to come. And of course, that is anticipated in Genesis 12 of the calling of Abram. The Lord said to Abraham, to Abram, leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And we know that that happens through Jesus, who the scriptures calls the seed, the descendant, the seed of Abraham, to whom the promises were made, and through whom all peoples on earth would indeed be blessed. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of the Virgin Mary. He lived he died, he rose, he ascended, he rules, and he unites people from every nation under heaven by pouring out 
his spirit upon them. (laughs) You see, Babel divides. Pentecost unites. And no matter what your ethnic origin, you are in his kingdom through faith in him. That's how this wonderful section that we read here here in Acts uh, ends. We read that in verse 21. And everyone, so after, here's this wonder description. We're in the last days, right? What you see is the filling of the Holy Spirit. There's this great cataclysmic event has come. Jesus has come. He's reigning. And whoever, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's, it's for, this is for all people. And that's uh, John Right, John recall, records it that way in, John, in that famous verse, right? John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, all all types of people, people from all nations, no matter where you're from, He's loved the world. So he loved the world so and gave His one and only Son that whoever, wherever you are in the world, whoever believes in Him, uh, will not will not perish. It's a, it's no wonder it's such a favorite verse, right? He, Jesus came into this world for the purpose of, as Kenny prayed earlier, Jesus lived the life we should have lived. And he died the death we should have died. And the result of that is that through faith in him, all of our sin is forgiven. And all of the righteousness of Jesus, his perfect record of obedience, that becomes ours. It's this wonderful exchange. I give Jesus my sin. He gives me his righteousness. He dies, I live. That's the glory, that's the glory of the gospel. And you see, it is through the cross of Jesus that people from all nations, the whole world, from all nations under heaven are saved and they become one in Christ. You know, I, um, communion really is, if worship is the highlight of the Christian life coming together for worship, if that's the highlight, then the highlight of worship itself is Holy Communion. And I love that, I love that, that moment when the bread is about to be broken. When we quote um, from Paul in 1 Corinthians 10, 17, because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. This beautiful picture of our unity That though we are many, we're one. And the reason we're one is because we're all connected to Jesus. We partake of all of the benefits of Jesus as one. And this is the hope and the wonder of the gospel. It's a hope that's needed in our nation as fires rage in our our cities. But now, where is this unity across the lines of race and ethnicity and class to be seen and to be experienced well in the church. In particular, local, individual churches. You know, it's no coincidence that we are told in Acts 2.1 that the disciples who spoke in these many languages uh, were all together in one place. Isn't that interesting? And, you know, throughout the New Testament, you will find this same truth. And that is that this oneness is to be found within an expression of God's people, a body where they are living close enough to each other so that that unity can actually be lived out. And we see that particularly in the epistles of of Paul. 
And we see this unity is to be seen in individual churches. Now, you may not have realized it, but Grace Church is a Pentecostal church. You see, we are committed to the purpose of Pentecost, which is the uniting of people across the lines of race and class in the worship of God. We're committed to the purpose of Pentecost. And we're also committed to the power of Pentecost because we know that only the Holy Spirit can accomplish this. No human effort, no laws, right? No civil rights, no busing, uh, no National Guard. Nothing can bring that about. Only the power of of the Holy Spirit. So we're committed to the power of Pentecost and we're depending on the Holy Spirit to accomplish what no human power can do. And thirdly, we are committed to the place of Pentecost. That's like a sermon all its own, isn't it, Kenny? Right there. We're committed to the place of Pentecost, the gathering together in one place to declare the wonders of God. You see, this is the will It is the purpose of the ascended Christ who poured out the Holy Spirit upon his church on that day of Pentecost. You see, the mission mission of Christ for his church is to declare the wonders of the gospel to all peoples, gathering them as one in the worship of God. And you know, that is our stated mission here at Grace. Our mission is to love and to serve our community and world with the good news of Jesus Christ, bringing people together across the lines of race and class to worship and to follow Jesus. And so on this this Pentecost Sunday, let's renew our Vision And let's renew our commitment to this mission given to us by Jesus and empowered by his Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father in heaven, how we thank you for the glory of the gospel. How we thank you for the saving work of Jesus. How we thank you that you rose him, you, you, you rose him from the dead and you, and you have seated him at your right hand. And we thank you, O Holy, uh, O O Lord Jesus, for the Holy Spirit whom you have poured out on your church. And we pray that you would renew us in that vision that you have. We pray that you would empower us afresh with your spirit to carry out that great goal that, that you have for the bringing of people together from all nations, from nations under all the nations under the heavens together uh, to worship uh, and to follow Jesus our Lord. Do this. Father, we pray for the glory of your name. Amen.